I'm Jared. Nice to see you. Good to see you. I want to talk a little bit more about By Faith, but good to see you. I'm one of the lead pastors here. It's great to see you. I'm glad you're here. Those of you who are here in person, we're coming to accept the terms of winter, and so I appreciate you being here. So glad you're here. If you're with us online, we're so glad you are with us as well. You are a part of this church, wherever it is that you may be joining us from. We are so glad that you are here as well. But what you just saw in that video and just a couple snapshots of those stories is uh, really what we're calling our By Faith Campaign. This is a, a chance for our church, and we've done this many times before, to give above and beyond uh, to the work that we see God doing in our church. And as you just heard, um, our church is really co- committed to uh, living by and giving by faith to expand our prayer hall, to open our cafe more to the community, move our store down there, and then to fully stock our house of hope. And all these Together, we believe, uh, will help our church move forward by faith into this next season to help meet people's physical needs, their emotional needs, their relational needs, and ultimately their spiritual needs. And I don't know if you got to hear that House of Hope story. There is actually a really powerful story. We only got to capture a little bit of it of an amazingly brave woman who's leaving an incredibly uh, toxic and painful situation at her home. But the, the exact quote she said to one of our volunteers was, I keep reaching out and I keep being met with more than I ask for here at House of Hope and Soul City Church. I keep being met with more than I even ask for here. And we want everyone who finds their way to the House of Hope, maybe on a Wednesday, or finds their way to our cafe on a Friday, or or finds their way to our prayer hall on a Sunday to have that exact same experience, to be met with more than they came for. And you and I actually get to be a part of that. You and I have a part to play in that. Your above and beyond giving actually helps fully fund these faith initiatives. Now, you you might be wondering to yourself, like maybe you're new to this, as as Kelly said a second ago, and you're like, I've never really done this before. I've never maybe really even given to this church. And so you may be wondering what, like, I don't, what's, what should I give? What's sort of a... Amount. Where do I start? What's a benchmark? How does this sort of work? And so I'd like everyone to open up their banking app right now, and I'm just going to tell you exactly what number to put in. Just no, go ahead, real quick. We'll just do it. We'll get this done like that. Uh, no, okay. So for some of you, it, what does it mean to give above and beyond what you would regularly, faithfully, joyfully give to God? Well, here's one simple way, and it's just a way to maybe think of it. One way to think of it is. Take what you would regularly give to God, so whatever it is that you've set and determined, whatever percentage you've set out in your heart to give, and then just double that for this month. To give, that's what above and beyond giving is. So whatever, however many gold doubloons you brought in your satchel with you to give, if it's $50 that you, you give a month, would you be willing this month to give $100? And just say, God, I'm going to go above and beyond. I'm going to trust you to give more because I believe in what you're doing. You have more in store for the people of this church, the people of this community, this city. If you give $200, then would you be willing to give $400 this month? If you give a thousand, you know how math works, so I don't have to keep doing all of the ones. The idea here, though, is that whatever it is that you've already determined between you and God to give to him regularly, joyfully, would you be willing to double that this month and say, God, I want to give above and beyond to see this church continue to move forward and people's lives to be changed like they are. And if you aren't yet regularly giving to God through a church, through this church, I think this is a great opportunity for you to start. What a great way for you to jump in by faith and say, I want to actually have this be a practice. I want to be a part, not just to receive, but to give and to contribute to what God is doing here and is going to do through this church in this next season. Because this is honestly such a special 
season for our church. And as part of this kind of special season, this Christmas season that we're in, we're actually kicking off a brand new teaching series today. It is going to be a lengthy two-week teaching series, so blink and you will miss it. But today we're actually kicking off a new series called Deconstructing Christmas. We want to take Christmas apart so that we can get back to the heart of Christmas. Because I don't know about you, but we have added so much to Christmas. We have way overcomplicated Christmas. It is way harder than it should be. Like, I don't, okay, this is just a rant. This is just a personal rant. I don't know when it is that we started decorating as early as we do now. See, because when I grew up, it went Thanksgiving, then Christmas. But y'all started decorating back like November 1st. We need to slow down, okay? We got to pace ourselves because it's too intense. It's too much. I don't know when Christmas, uh, okay, does anyone here actually do a family Christmas card? Raise your hand if you're doing one, have done one before, a family Christmas card. When did this become such a production? You're hiring the photographer. You can't do the same location that you did last. Oh, we can't go to Lincoln Park. Everyone goes to Lincoln Park and shoots their pictures there. We've got to come up with a whole new location. Somehow the Christmas card has become a competition, right? We've made it way too complicated. We've made it way too hard. Even gift giving can feel stressful. It's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to get them? And if I buy this person at work a gift, does that mean I have to buy everyone on my team a gift? And you have to navigate all that. Thankfully, our kids have simplified it for us. They sent each of us a Google Doc with tabs and subcategories and links to everything that they would want for Christmas. They are incredibly on top of their game, right? It's, we've made it so hard and so complicated. And in my opinion, if we could deconstruct anything out of the Christmas season, I think the thing that I would want to deconstruct the most is the busyness that goes along with Christmas. Doesn't it seem like there's just a busyness that Christmas always comes wrapped in? Like show of hands, how many of you have already felt this somewhere in you, you've already felt or have found yourself saying, it's just so busy this month. Raise your hand if you're like, it's feeling so busy already. I was talking to Joe yesterday, we were talking to the Christmas store and I said, hey, what do you got going on this month? You know, blah, blah. First words out of his mouth, man, it's so busy. And I'm not calling him out because he gets, but I mean, you know, if I want me to call you out, I'll call you out. But it's, (laughs) it's, he's not wrong. That's how it feels. It's so busy. I feel it too. I had one of the busiest weeks I've had in a long time, and we're only four days into December. We've basically already given up the month because it feels so overwhelming and so busy, and we've complicated it so much. Somehow, some way, we've equated Christmas with busyness. You know, there was a poll that was done just two years ago, actually, a poll that was done that found that 61% of Americans, this is crazy, 61%, more than half, said that they don't have enough time to do the things they actually want to do in life. There's just not enough time to do the things they want to do. More than half of us are too busy to do what we actually want to do, and that's outside of Christmas. Another survey on on busyness specifically found that the average participant claimed, I don't know if I believe this or not, but the average participant in this particular survey claimed that they only had 26 minutes a week of free time. I don't, how is that? Y'all need to describe free time to me or maybe work to me because I don't, 26 minutes is not nearly enough time to properly scroll through TikTok. Like there clearly is not enough. We have made it so busy. And I would say all of this busyness is actually bad business for your body. It is not good for your body. The way that we hold busyness and stress and anxiety, you do, be, being overly busy and, and exhausted can lead to things like anxiety, can lead to things like depression, especially around this time of year 
It can lead to substance abuse. It can lead to muscle pain, insomnia, a compromised immune system, cardiovascular disease, bad breath, bad credit, and overall bad vibes. It's scientific. It's been proven that busyness is not actually good for your body. So why and when did Christmas become synonymous with busyness? How have we just made that okay? Oh, it's just busy. Oh, it's so busy. Somehow, we've made Christmas and busyness synonymous, one and the same. And I guess my question for you as we're deconstructing Christmas these next few weeks is, do you want it that way? Is that how you actually want it? Or, or, it, or could it be different? In fact, could it even be better? Might God actually have more in store for you this Christmas than just busyness? What if you could actually experience a gift from God beyond all the busyness, one of the greatest gifts that God actually has for you this Christmas? What if in the, in the middle of, of all that you've got to do and all that you'll go through over this Christmas season, what if you actually put God's peace at the center of your Christmas? Because here's the crazy thing. God's peace has actually always been at the center of the Christmas story. Long before that very first Christmas, in fact. And in fact, about 700 years before that very first Christmas, there was a, a prophet. This is a, a person who spoke the heart of God to the, to the people of God. And at this time when this prophet lived, things couldn't be worse for the people of God. Things were, couldn't be worse than they had been in a long time for them. They had all but given up on God. But God, through his prophet Isaiah, he gave him this promise, a prophecy. And more than a prophecy, it was a promise that he gave him. That God had actually never given up on them, and he never would. And he revealed through the prophet Isaiah that one day there would be a Savior who would come. The one who would come to make all things right. And in describing that prophetic promise to come, Isaiah used these words. They might sound familiar. This is what he said. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting Father, and everyone all together, Prince of peace. peace. Of all the things that Jesus would bring, peace was a part of the promise. He will be the Prince of Peace. And later on in the New Testament, he's described as the Lord of Peace. He came to bring peace. In fact, his power was his peace. And when that promised Prince finally did come some 700 years after those words were spoken and were written down, he came as a person of peace. In fact, the most peaceful and peace-filled person to have ever lived. Think about it. Whatever it is that you may know about Jesus, can you think of any moment or any story or any example in all of the gospel accounts where you ever see Jesus being busy? Can you think of once, lots of people around him were busy. Can you ever find a story where Jesus himself was busy or was just like stressing out? Like, can you just imagine Jesus going like, oh, my father, would you look at the day the Lord has made today? I've got to do this 
healing at this village at 9 a.m. this morning. Then I got to go down and cast out a demon at 11 a.m. at the Sea of Galilee. Then I got to go all the way down to Jerusalem by noon to preach in the temple. And they don't even want to hear what I have to say. I may even have to turn over some tables if I'm not careful. And then I actually have to go back up to Nazareth for another healing at two. And you know how bad the Samaritan road can be. Traffic is terrible there this time of year and this time of day. And then if that's not enough, I got to go over to Capernaum because Peter's mother-in-law wants us to come over for dinner. And I'm supposed to bring a dish to pass? Oh, I don't think so. When do I even have time to do that? Does anyone have any fish and loaves that I can borrow? I'll give them right back. I swear to me, I will. Like, just... Like, do we ever see anything like that? Where Jesus is busy or stressed. You just don't see it, do you? And I think you would agree, it's safe to say, no one had more on their plate. No one had more on their shoulders than Jesus. He had a very limited time to accomplish the work of eternity. And yet you never see him busy. Full, yes. Busy, no. And I think that's just one of the reflections of the power of the peace that Jesus gives. And what he modeled to us is that life, listen, life can be full without being stressful. You know, that's true. Jesus' life was very full. It was full. But it's not stressful. And the same can actually be true of your life. It can be full. Your calendar can be full. Your schedule can be full. This season can be full. But it doesn't have to be stressful. You can have a lot going on without having to go crazy. It's actually possible. In fact, it's not only possible, it's promised to you. And one of my favorite examples of this fullness without stressfulness, this peace in the midst of everyone else seeming to be busy, is found in Mark chapter 4. And I absolutely love this story. And so what I want you to do is grab a Bible and turn to Mark chapter 4, if you would. So if you have a Bible with you, great. If not, and you're in this room, why don't you grab one of these Soul City Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 4. It's on page 815 in the Soul City Bible. If you're worshiping with us online, can you open up a separate tab to Mark chapter 4? We're going to look at an example of how Jesus modeled this peace that he promises to you and to me this season. Now, in Mark chapter 4, what we, where we find Jesus is that he's had a very, very, very full day of teaching and of being with all these crowds of people that had come to start following him and wanted to hear what he had to say. So a very, very full day. And in fact, the gospel writer Mark says right before this passage we're going to look at, on that, at the end of that day, on that day, at the end, like this all happened on the same day, this very full day, Jesus actually gets into a boat with his disciples to cross over the Sea of Galilee. And this is what happens in Mark 4, 37. It says this, a furious squall came up. That's a big sea storm. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, in the back of the boat, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, you got to love this. Don't you care if we drown? Such passive aggressive energy. I love it. Like, Jesus, don't you care if we drown? Like, we know you don't fear death, but we kind of do. If you cared about us, you would do something about this. And keep in mind that several of these folks who were passively aggressively waking up Jesus were fishermen. They'd been fishermen their whole lives. In fact, they had fished on this exact sea. So for them to be scared of a storm must have meant that it was significant. Must have meant that it was very significant to them. 
And so they see the storm coming, they see the waves washing over, and they begin to freak out. And look at what happens. I love this in verse 39. It says that Jesus got up, (laughs) and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, shh, stop it. Stop it. Cut it out. Quiet. Be still. And then the wind died down, and and it was completely calm. He gets up, and in a word says, hey, enough. Completely calm. In fact, the, the New King James translation of the Bible uses the word that Jesus said here to be peace, be still. Peace, be still. And just like that, it was. The wind and, and, and the waves, the, the chaos and the confusion, the, the sea and the storm, calm in an instant. Just by Jesus speaking peace to it powerful moment in the story in the life of Jesus. And I thought as I was preparing for our time together this weekend, how, man, how cool would it be and how much would I appreciate it if Jesus could do that same thing to my crazy Christmas schedule this season? Just speak right to it. Just say the word, peace, be still, and all my Google calendar would just disappear. No events today. Like, wouldn't that be awesome? Or if Jesus could just speak the word, peace, be still, to all the Evites, to all the Christmas parties, and poof, they just reply no automatically to every one of those, all the Christmas cards that we actually literally still have not sent out yet, peace, and they're in your mailbox without you even realizing it. How awesome and powerful that would be. All my Christmas busyness would just chill out in a word. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like God, some sort of like, Christmas craziness autocorrect just could bring it all back into place. And see, I had this whole talk that I was ready to give this weekend to you. I had this whole talk I was going to give. I was so excited. I was studying and preparing for it about how we actually can partner with Jesus to bring that peace to our chaos, to bring that peace to our craziness, to bring that peace to our busyness, especially around the season, how we could simplify this season so that we could experience more peace. And, you know, if you've been around Soul City for a couple of weeks or so, you, you probably know that John and I love and our teaching team loves to take kind of big ideas and make them into like little sentences, little, we call them sticky statements because we're so cool. And we call them sticky statements. And so I even had sticky statements for the message that I came ready to give to you. Like one of them, this is a good one. I think, one of them was going to be better no's become better yeses. Think about it. <laughs> think about it. The better you get at saying no to things, the more, the better your yeses will be. Oh, that's good. It's not even the best one, Tam. Because I had another one that says this, if it costs you your peace, it ain't worth the price. Think about it. Tweet that. Somebody. If it costs you your peace, it ain't worth the price. Now, that's pretty good, right? And I was like so excited, like, all right, I got this. We're going to do this, Jesus. We got this message. We're going to help people simplify their Christmas so that they can experience peace. And I believe you can actually do that. You can partner with Jesus to actually bring some calm to the storm of your life, whatever it may be, especially in this Christmas season. But the more and more I began to write that message, the more and more I began to realize that all I was doing was looking for ways to do what the disciples did with Jesus. Make it go away. Make the storm go away so that I can then have some peace. Calm down my Christmas so that then it can be peaceful. And then it hit me. Like what was obviously in the story and it 
you probably didn't miss, but I, I had been right at the center of this story, what had been missing for me and what I think had can be missing maybe for you this Christmas. It's actually found in the back of the boat, in the stern of the ship, because that's where we find Jesus. And look at what we see him doing. As a storm raged on around him, it says that Jesus was actually in the stern, sleeping on a what? Because your back support matters. It really does matter <laughs> that you have good back support. He's asleep in the storm. The storm is raging. And listen, the, it says the boat is filling with water. The sails are at the point of breaking and Jesus is napping. The Prince of Peace, perfectly at peace in the swell of that storm. That is the kind of peace that Jesus had. That's the kind of peace that I actually need. See, I think what he reveals in the story is something that is true of Jesus and is true of me and I believe is is true of you. Is what I really, really, like what I really want for Christmas, what I really want is peace from the storm, but what I really need is peace for the storm. Big difference. What I so often want is just get me out, get me out, get me out, make it stop, make it calm, make it go away. Just chill it all out, Jesus, help me out. But what I really need is peace to face my storms. All I get worked up on is can you make it peaceful by making it go away? And guess what? He can, and sometimes he does. Sometimes God changes your circumstances, and you go, oh, wow, I had no idea that relationship or that job or that move opened up so much more peace in my life. Sometimes he does move in that way, but lots of times, far more than we would ever choose, it's when we are in the storm. It's when we are in the challenging season, in the midst of a difficult diagnosis that we want so badly to get out, and that's precisely when Jesus offers us peace in the midst of it. Not just from it, for it. Because it, whatever it may be for you, and it may be as simple as like, there's no way we're going to make all these parties. There's no way I'm going to get through all these finals. There's no way I'm going to make it happen. Whatever your it may be, it may change or it may not, but you can change. You can be changed by Jesus with the peace that passes all understanding and all circumstances around you. Peace in the midst of it. Perspective that is bigger than it. Power to actually walk through it, whatever it may be. That's the promise of the Prince of Peace. And I saw such a beautiful, I needed to see such a beautiful picture of this last night as I was sitting in the lobby of a children's hospital not far from here. And some dear friends of ours were there. They've been a big part of our life and a big part of this church, and they found themselves on Tuesday night in the ER with their eight-week-old daughter, eight-week-old baby girl. And like so many other little ones right now, it began with a cough for her that she couldn't shake, and then it went into a fever that they couldn't break, and so that led to them going to the emergency room only discover that she'd been diagnosed with RSV. Her little lungs are fighting to, to breathe right now. And what started as an ER visit for them has now become a hospital stay. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you've been there too. As they've been there caring for their little one for the last five days, begging the nurses to let them just hold her while the breathing tubes help her little lungs heal. And as we met together in the lobby last night, because I'm not even allowed to go up on that floor, we're sitting there in the lobby, 
having honest conversation, real, hard, beautiful conversation through much-needed laughter at times and some warm and weary tears and some desperate and dependent prayer. I saw in these two something that I needed to see and something that I see in Jesus. There was something so seemingly small but so poignantly powerful about them. They had peace. I don't know how. I don't know where it came from other than Jesus. To be sitting in the lobby of the hospital where your eight-week-old is fighting just to breathe. They had peace. There was a calm in the face of their storm. And they would want me to tell you. I asked permission to tell this story. They want me to tell you. It's not that they're not scared. Definitely scared. It's not that they don't want God to just heal their baby so they can go home. Of course they do. You would want the same. But it's that they have this, this peace about them that's bigger than their circumstances, bigger than their storm. Peace that can only be found in the presence of Jesus. And that exact same peace, that very peace, is God's gift to you this Christmas. He offers it fully and freely to you in relationship with him. No matter how crazy your Christmas may already feel, no matter what storm you actually may be facing right now, in fact, this is what Jesus gave to his followers, this peace he gave to them before he left this world, knowing what they would face, the storms that they would face. And it's what he offers to you and to me this Christmas. In fact, in, in John 14, 27, Jesus said this. He says, it's my peace. Peace is what I leave you. Peace, my peace. That's what I give to you. I don't, I don't give it to you as the world gives. So don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Peace. That's what Jesus promises. That's his gift to you. Not peace from the storm, peace for the storm. Not peace from your hectic, crazy Christmas schedule, but peace for your hectic, crazy Christmas schedule. Not peace from all the demands of work that you may have, but peace for all the demands of work that you have. Not peace from your finals, students, but peace for your finals. Not peace from all the family drama that may be getting drummed up around this time of year, but peace for all of that family drama. Not peace from a difficult diagnosis, but peace precisely for that difficult diagnosis. It's not a peace that gets you out of all the Christmas craziness, but it helps you walk through it. Peace I leave you. He said, my peace, I give it to you. It's a different kind of, of peace than you can find anywhere else. It's a different kind of perspective for whatever the storms are that you may be facing. And it's a different kind of power that this, this Prince of Peace promises to you, to you, to you. And can you imagine what might happen if just, just for a moment, imagine like if you made the seemingly like the smallest little shift this Christmas. And choosing today, you said, you know, I'm actually going to start from a place of peace. From a place of peace. What would it feel like for you if, if things maybe were still full, but, but they didn't have to be stressful? Do you, do you think anything might be different about this Christmas if, if, if you made this promise of peace your practice that you worked out on a daily basis? You intentionally carved out time to practice and to pursue and to prioritize peace for your life. I think 
it could radically reframe your Christmas to start from a place of peace. And so the last thing I want to just offer you, and then we're, we're done. This is it. I got one more thing to say, and then we're done. It's, and it's a little bit of homework. It's going to take a little bit of work on your part. We've already done some work for you. I think it can make a massive difference for your Christmas. We want to commit. I want to encourage you to commit as a church three times a day to taking a peace pause. Three times a day, we're going to take a peace pause. Now, what's a peace pause, you might be saying? Made it up. No idea. Let's just say, I literally made it up this week. Let's, but let's say that what a peace pause is, is committing to pausing for 60 seconds, three times a day, to be present with God and simply sit in his peace, ask for his peace, live from his peace. Just stop, be still, and be present with God, 60 seconds, three intentional times throughout your day, throughout this Christmas season. We're all just going to take a little peace pause. And we've made it super, super simple for you. And I know so many of you in this church right now are saying, please, can I have one more QR code? Just one more QR code, sir. Yes, here it is. In fact, look at it in all its glory. There it is. You can scan that with your camera. And I want to encourage you right now, everyone to at least scan the little QR code thing, right? Just hold your phone up to it. And all it's going to do is send you a link. And here's the deal. You can sign up for a calendar invite we've already created. We've done the hard work for you to map out three times a day throughout this season, a time for you to take a peace pause. In fact, we put it at 8.58, we put it at 11.58, and we put it at 2.58. Why such weird numbers? Because lots of times our meetings and our classes start on the hour. So we thought, how great would it be to start those from a place of peace? To just carve out 60 seconds. And if you're thinking right now, like, oh, man, that seems like a big commitment. I don't know if I can, I don't have time to stress to be able to get that. Might I suggest that this is exactly what you need? And this might be the best thing for you. And you can adapt it however you want, but we're just going to all start together. And how cool would it be for you to know that there's a community of people who are all pausing at the same time to just say peace, peace for this storm, for this season, for this trial, for this relationship, peace. That's what you promised, Jesus. So that's what I'm going to practice this season. And let's just see if all of our busyness maybe doesn't give way to more peacefulness this Christmas. So I want to ask you to stand. I want to pray for you, and then we are done. We take a posture of prayer around here. We love to open our hands up. We just think that's a way to say, God, I'm available to you and I have whatever you have for me, I want to receive it from you. And so I'd love to pray peace over you for whatever you were walking into. And then we're done. God, we just, we just claim that. We say it. We name it. What you said, Jesus, peace, peace, peace. And it's easy for me to stand on the stage and say, okay, let's all do this. I know there are things that we are walking through that my friends, my brothers and sisters here maybe holding, maybe facing, maybe fearing. And they're wondering if peace is even possible in the midst of it. Jesus, you gave your life so that we could have your peace. You promised it's ours. It comes from you. It transcends all understanding, all of our circumstances. And so we just pray for peace, that we would practice it, that we would pursue it, and that we might be known by it. 
the peace that we bring to this season, the peace that we bring to our family, the peace that we bring to our work. Peace, peace, peace. That's what we pray. That's what we claim in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us for today's message at Soul City Church. My name is Andrea, and I am the student director around here. If today's message was encouraging for you, I would love to encourage you to encourage one of your friends by sending them this link. And go ahead and subscribe to this channel so that you can join our Soul City Global Church. And if you want information on how to get better connected, to give, or to receive care, go ahead and check out the link below or go to soulcitychurch.com. Have a great day.